Welcome to the Philly Prime Podcast and Mob Talk Sit Down. Big news today in the mob world. Par Funding and the Laforte brothers hit with a racketeering indictment here in Philadelphia. And Anthony Persiano, a former soldier in the Philly mob who turned cooperator, rat if you want to call him that, that's what the guys call him. Some news about him, and it's been a while since we've heard anything about him. Two exciting things this week, and the only guy that you want to talk to about those topics is sitting right there, George Anastasia, the professor, my partner, and author, writer, you name it, he's done it. He's the jack of all spades here. <laughs> talk about it, George. Break this down for us. Unpack this suitcase first on par funding. Par funding, I mean, this is the, the next step, the superseding indictment, and basically charges these guys with a RICO, which is, you know, from the looks of it, it always looked like that. This is a racketeering enterprise. And $550 million is a pretty nice chunk of change. The, the allegations are that these guys use mob tactics, mafia tactics to extort, to intimidate, to, to put fear into people who either owed the money or to whom they were supposed to be providing money. So it's, it's, a, it's a broad uh, 21st century kind of racketeering operation. But given especially the, the connections of James Laforte, yeah, and we'll show you. We have a picture of the two brothers here, Joseph yeah. on the left, James on the right. Go ahead, George. Yeah, I mean, James has been identified in other documents as a, as a member of the Gambino crime family in New York. So it, there's always been that, the background, where's the mob and all of this? And I think this indictment gets a little bit closer to any of that. The yeah. Persiano thing is a whole other story. I mean, we were checking the records on this guy. His case goes back to 2019, so that's five years. Yeah, and we're uh, going to get into that. We're going to get into that and unpack that too. But let's right. stay with I mean, our funding if we can for now. George, interesting, your former newspaper, The Inquirer, used this headline when the indictment came out the other day. Par funding, Laforte brothers hit with racketeering charges, a charge normally used to prosecute the mob. Yeah. The Inquirer said that. Well, I mean, it, it, it was uh... – I think by way of explanation, and that Jeremy Roebuck wrote, he's a, he's a really good reporter. Yes. And in writing it, he said, this is a RICO charge that's usually used in mob cases. Now, I think some people would argue that at the end of the day, this may in fact be a mob case. But, uh, you know, looking at it from what we've got so far, it, there are mob tactics, but there's no allegation of, of serious organized crime involvement in this. Yeah. Talk about some of those mob tactics, George, that are outlined in first the first indictment then the superseding indictment, and now in this indictment. This sounds like something right out of a mob movie, some of the things these guys threatened to do yep. and and apparently or allegedly did, according to the indictment. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a throwback to maybe 20 years ago when, when violence was used to instill fear and intimidation. We're talking about people who were threatened to have their, their hands cut off, uh, st stuck in the head with a fork, um, shot, killed. We, you know, we have a legitimate actual incident where uh, a lawyer for the receiver in this case was assaulted and, and beat up on the streets in broad daylight. So, you know, and you had different collectors going out to people allegedly sent by those Fortes saying, you owe us this money. If you don't pay, here's what's going to happen to you. Right. Renato Gio was one of those guys yeah. that supposedly was their strong man who traveled around the country. And they even wanted to charge the people they were collecting from for him to travel out to them to threaten them. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah, travel expenses, but, you know, it's a business expense. I yeah. mean, this was, uh, on, in one sense, a 21st century kind of story, this whole lending operation, of, you know, business lending and playing off the, the economy, that kind of thing. But in terms of the tactics, once the money was in play, it was very much organized crime 
uh, like in, in what they did. The other end of this investigation is the mm -hmm. other end of the scam is they had investors who were told, invest in us. We're, you know, we're giving you a 10% return on your money. And it was almost a Ponzi scheme. Some original investors were getting that money back. Then all of a sudden, the money dried up. And then the, the feds and the SEC start to look. And here's Laforte with luxurious houses, jewelry, cars, all of those kind of things are now being confiscated. So it's a very, very uh, broad kind of investigation in terms of what this group was doing. It's narrowly focused in that thus far, there aren't a lot of defendants. Yeah. And George, let's show we have a picture, a government provided picture of some of the ill-gotten gains that the Lafortes yeah. got their hands on. There's mansions, luxury cars, luxury watches, yeah. boats, businesses, apartment buildings, even a jet that they're talking about. $550 million in fraud that the government alleges Joe Laforte and his wife, Lisa McElhorn, either pocketed or had got a big chunk of along with several others. Um, and while they're doing this, George, I talked about mob movies. The mention of cement shoes in here. I have 500 soldiers on the street behind me. I'll blow up your house or your car. I know where your daughter lives. Phone calls made to relatives, allegedly threatening, that kind of stuff. I mean, this is, you don't see that in 2023, 2022, and now 2024. You just don't see that from the mob these days. But these guys were using those old school tactics that you're talking about to drive home their point. If you didn't pay them back, they loaned you money and you didn't pay them back at a ridiculous interest. This is what you got. You got to visit. Yeah. And that's the that's the question in all of this. Were these guys just mimicking what they thought organized crime would do? Or what was this part of, of an organized crime operation? Thus far, we haven't seen any of any indication that that, in fact, is what the case is, although there's. You know, there's supposedly going to be some more indictments in this case. Yeah. But right now, I think it's two guys, the little Forte brothers, one of whom supposedly got mob connections, playing the role of gangsters in terms of trying to enforce and collect uh, the ill-gotten money from this major, major scam that they set up. That's yeah. what it looks like. And, and they weren't very good, George, because a number of witnesses have come forward to testify to the government. There's actual video and pictures from some of the locations where these threats were carried out, I think right after the beating of the lawyer, right. uh, whose name we won't use because he's not identified. He, he is identified by initials in the in the indictments that have come out. A very prominent Center City lawyer, known by many lawyers, uh, I'm sure, who wouldn't touch this case because they know that attorney. You know, stuff like that. But there's videos and there's pictures of them. And there's obviously phone records in 2024 you can track phones to anything, and it puts them right in the locations where these incidents allegedly occurred. I mean, this is like not smart stuff. Let me put it well, that way. Yeah, I mean, we should point out the Lafortes have claimed they're not guilty, and, and you know they want to go to trial. Yes. I'm going to be very surprised if that happens. I, from what you just said, the evidence seems to be overwhelming in this case. Uh, and there's, in addition to this, there's a tax evasion case mm -hmm. waiting to come against La, uh, John Laforte and his wife, or Joe. Which Laforte is it? That's Joe Laforte and Lisa McKellar and his wife. wife. Yes. They, they're facing tax evasion charges in addition. So th there's a lot more to unpack in this in this whole situation. But the first step is this. The, the RICO charge, I think, um, 
turns a little more heat under the pot. So yeah. speaking. And we're going to see where that goes. But it's six, significant jail time if you're convicted in this. Yeah. Well, let's go there for a little bit, George. Um, pretty much everybody I talk to, including people in law enforcement, state, local, federal, see this. People who know them see this and say they're already in steep trouble without the racketeering indictment and the tax evasion. They're already looking at serious stuff. Joe Laforte also facing gun charges because when the FBI went to his house, when they first raided par funding in all his locations, they found guns in his house. He's a convicted felon from a prior fraud case out of Staten Island and North Jersey. Having said that, when you have a situation kind of, kind of like that, and you, and you do something like this and kind of, now build it up to a racketeering indictment, which I believe, from what I understand, was talked about as early as 2018 when they were first digging into this. Sure. Now yeah. it comes. Look at the heat that that puts on them. If they know anything about New York crime families, the Philadelphia crime family, by what, by the way, has not been mentioned in here, not one word about Philadelphia. So right. yeah. people want to go there. I got a lot of uh, direct messages on Instagram. When we first talked about this that the Philly guys got to be involved. There's been no mention of the Philadelphia mob in any of these documents whatsoever. The only mention, George, and I think you know about this as well, Joe Lanny up in New York, a Gambino capo, was in trouble on his own at the Jersey Shore, allegedly got $1.2 million from James Laforte that came from par funding. You think, is that the road they may be trying to go down here? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, as I said, James has been identified as, as a Gambino soldier in, in other documents up in New York. The, the question is, how deeply involved were the Gambinos if, in fact, they were involved? How deeply were they involved in this $550 million for? Or was this just the Lafortes out operating and this is the tribute payment you got to make because I'm with that guy? There's no way of knowing the answer to any of that, but those are the kind of things you want to look at. You know, people would say, well, how could they be operating in Philly and the Philly mob not know it? One, they set up shop in the beginning. They look like a legitimate operator. Mm-hmm. Two, the Philly crime family is not what it used to be anymore. And, and there are guys who I think are cocky enough, arrogant enough to figure we don't have to worry about these guys. We want to do business in their territory. We're going to come in and do it. Yeah. So all of those things kind of hang loose around all of this. Um, and this RICO charge, I think, adds another layer and. Maybe we want to get to the bottom of some of this. The Lafortes have serious problems here. Yeah. Uh, interesting, George. You know, you talk about uh, this happening in Philadelphia. This was on 3rd Street, right off Market. Right. Their offices, by the way, were, which were quite swanky. I sat outside them many a day when I saw Joe Laforte with his Bentley <laughs> parked out front. And he'd be outside on the phone. This is around the corner from Fox 29, where I work, up the block from a coffee house that I know mob guys frequent. Uh, and they're right there sitting in Old City, Philadelphia, doing business and the indictments and some of the documents have talked about how swanky the offices were because they were trying to impress investors when they brought them there humidors leather chairs bars you know place to sit down and have a cocktail after work that kind of stuff they were living the good life and if you saw as we showed in the pictures before there was some nice trimmings here george well you know i mean if you're going to run a high level scam you need that that's part of the that's part of the set you want to do that. That's mm. that's the impression you want to give to people. And they were apparently very good at that, at least for a while. Yeah. And then it all came apart. Yeah. Because- George, does this does this harken back for you to first plus the case with Nikki Scarfo Jr.? Um, I, I, the, a big I, I, high level white collar crime scam like this, fraud scam? 
it's not unlike that. And, and you know, that was taking place down in Texas, but it was the same kind of thing, uh, quasi-legitimate, but in the end of the day, this is, we're, we're mobsters. Now, again, you raised that question, were those guys, other than Scarfo Jr., really mobsters? Um, I, you know, guys try to take advantage of every kind of situation. I think th the thing you have to wonder about here, Dave, is if this wasn't a mob operation, what was James LaForte's obligation to the Gambino crime family in that he was involved with this? Hmm. And that, that, you know, that 1.2 million that you mentioned earlier, maybe that was, you know, everybody, everybody knows if, if you're in that organization, whatever yeah. organization you're in and you're making cash, you got to kick up. Yeah. So maybe that, maybe that's what that was. I mean, that, yeah. that seems to me it would make, make sense. Yeah. But in terms of $550 million, should be kicking up a little bit more than 1.2 million. I think. Yeah. You know? And George, we didn't even open the envelope on the SEC investigation here. They've pretty much completed their investigation. The company and the Lafortes have agreed to let them take $290 million, I believe, to try and make some of the investors, clients, et cetera, whole, which I'm told that money has now started to go out. If I read correctly, some of the stories I've said, I've looked at and some of the stories I've heard from people that they are making people whole again. And, and there's probably a lot of victims and clients here that are, you know, due to get money back. So that part of it, it, it at least seems to be resolving itself. Yeah. It looks like the sec jumped on this thing fairly quickly and, and that probably saved a lot of money from disappearing. But again, that's the, that's the thing we talked about. The lawyer who was beaten up was working for the receiver in that yeah. sec case. And in and, and broad daylight, what, I mean, what are you thinking when you do something like that? You're not going to intimidate the SEC. Yeah, I mean, what, what's the, what was the point of that? Yeah. It makes absolutely no sense at all. Yet it happened. And that, I think, is indicative of who these two guys were from, yeah. the, from the Fed's perspective. Yeah. And even in the resolution with the SEC, the Lafortes are getting in trouble. Example, there's a realtor in Philadelphia yeah. who's been hired by the receivership to evaluate and assess how much the Laforte's properties are worth so that they can assign them to the money that's going to be given back to the victims, clients, et cetera. Right. They did not like the valuation that this realtor, who's a very popular guy in a name, everybody would know, but he's not named in the indictment. His initials are in there, so we won't mention it. They went to him and allegedly threatened him in a very serious way to kick up the evaluation, make it higher so they could get more credit and not have to sell as many properties. I mean, and this is, we're talking like 2021, 2022, when the SEC thing is in full gear here, full gear, they're still doing it, allegedly. I mean, the question is, you know, is that audacious and, and are they arrogant or are they stupid? Or maybe it's a combination of the two. You don't do those kind of things. I, especially when it's in the midst of a, a full-blown investigation where you got the SEC and the FBI looking at everything you're doing. H how do you think you're going to get away with that? It's crazy. George, yeah. you know, I remember a little warning I got through a birdie talking to me after you and I did the first stories on par funding and we showed the offices down on in old city on third right. street and we started talking about it and a message came to me from the FBI through somebody. And they said, you and George, are putting the cart before the horse. You're coming out of the barn a little too quickly. This isn't going to come together that fast. Well, I beg to differ. I think we left the barn with the horse, the cart, and everything else, and we were right on the money yeah. back then. Now, yeah. maybe you guys weren't ready to do this case and the racketeering part of it, but the bottom line is 
we were do our due here yeah. to point this out and that it was going on right under the mob's nose in Philadelphia. You know, it's one of those things where it, it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck yeah. and must be a duck. This this is a, was a, a quintessential RICO case. Yeah. Whether it was gangsters or guys posing as gangsters or guys want to be gangsters, it still was a RICO case yeah. from the get-go. And George, that's this is not our first rodeo. Would you agree with me on that, George? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we've we've done around, this before. We know what we see in front of us. Been around the block too many times, probably. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that, George. Never say that. Yeah. Um, all right, listen, we're going to transition here. And, George, this is all your reporting and your digging here. Um, we're going to show you a picture. Anthony Persiano, um, who was a there Philly mob soldier inducted into the Philly crime family, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, who was also involved in restoring homes after Sandy, Hurricane Sandy, and got into all kinds of trouble, got jammed up, wore a wire for the FBI, um, pleads guilty, George, back in 2019. In fact, five years ago this week. And yep. here we are, George, in 2024. He has still, after he pled guilty, not been sentenced. And that's got to piss off the mob guys and anybody else who was victimized by him Tell us what you found when you started I mean, looking at this. You know, I, periodically, I go onto the uh, the Pacer website the, that tracks legal cases. And earlier in the week, I went on, and he was scheduled to be sentenced on April the second. And and I counted up the times. That would have been nine, ten. That would have been the eleventh time that they had scheduled that sentencing, beginning back in twenty nineteen. This week, they announced that been, has been put off, and now he's going to be sentenced supposedly in August. So that's 12 times that he's had his sentence scheduled and then rescheduled. And there's no logical reason for any of this except, uh, well, I don't know if there is an except. It doesn't make any sense that this case is long over. Um, his involvement in Philadelphia, you know, he wore a wire on a lot of guys, uh, a big drug case, and he wore a wire to his own making ceremony. We've never heard that particular wire, but I mean, the guys that were indicted and charged and convicted in the operation that he was part of down here, they're away. Some of them are already coming back home. Yeah. There's no reason for this guy not to be sentenced unless, and this is something we talked about earlier, and that, you know, he's been, re he's somewhere out there in the stratosphere. <laughs> right. And if you look at his, the, the bail documents that he had to post, he's back in the same business. He's working as an estimator. You know, you have you have a, a flood, you have a, an insurance claim. You bring an estimator in. Here's what it's worth. We can fix it up for you. Give us the insurance money. We'll do it. That that was part of his what his scam was. Well, in bail documents, it said that's what he's doing again somewhere out there. Now, one of the things I'm thinking is maybe he's working for the FBI somewhere else in America and they want to keep him on the streets. That's why he's not being sentenced. Yeah. The, the other is the other. I can't understand why it's taken five years. I know a lot of wise guys are pissed off, but there also were victims here in the Philadelphia area. Yeah. Who got sure, at the Jersey shore. Yeah. People yeah. whose homes got destroyed and Sandy were victimized allegedly we, by him. The only thing we see on the record is there was a civil case involving $150,000 loan. Two people gave him. They've got a judgment against them, a default judgment, right. triple damage. It's like $459,000, but yep. there are other people who, who are a lot of money when he gets sentenced, they want to come in and do victim impact statements. That's been put off, put off, put off. So yeah. there's a lot of crazy, crazy questions around Anthony Persiano. Yeah. My my fundamental question is, what was Persiano doing getting initiated into the Philadelphia mob? Yeah. This was a guy who worked 
you mentioned earlier that yeah. the the, uh, uh, the Nicky Scarfo thing down in Texas, yeah. first class. He, Salvatore Piccolo, Sal Palullo. There was there was testimony or there were documents in that case that they had been made in a in a secret ceremony arranged <laughs> by Nicky Scarfo Senior from jail. Yeah, it was a ceremony that nobody recognized. And Palullo claimed he was a made guy as a result. Piccolo and Persiano. They got made it by God knows whom. The guys in Philly never recognized it. Nobody recognized it. But here it is several years later. Persiano is again at the table getting made by those Philly guys who, one, didn't like Scarfo Jr., and two, weren't that crazy about Palullo. But here's a guy who was in bed with those guys. Now he's getting in bed with the Philadelphia mom. Why was he at that table? Why was he, why was he able to get made by the Philadelphia guys? And he's there wearing a body wire. It's one of it's one of those things that if you want to know why the Philadelphia mob has come undone, that's part of the story. That George, you talk like, you talked about frustration. Let's talk about two guys who are sitting in jail right now who you know are frustrated by the fact that this guy isn't doing jail time. We got a picture of him. Uh Dominic Grandy and Steve Mazzone, right there from one of our old mob talk episodes, right there. That's Grandy on the left, obviously. Steve Mazzone on the right. Steve was the acting boss allegedly. At one point, Dominic was a very high-ranking capo. Dominic is doing seven years in Schuylkill, FCI. Steve mm. is doing another three, at least, at uh, FCI in Loretto, Pennsylvania. Those guys are sitting in jail, probably wondering, like we are, and all the guys on the streets are, are probably wondering, why isn't Anthony Persiano in jail? And you talked about victims. If I was a victim or the people who loaned him money that he scammed, I'd be pissed off that this guy still is not sentenced. I can imagine when his name comes up, comes up, these two guys, I'm, I'm sure the veins in Stevie's neck pop and, and he's all red in the face. He's so angry about it because they let this guy come into that making ceremony, both of which these two guys, according to federal documents, were at that making ceremony. It was at a house in South Philadelphia back in, I think, 2017 or 2016. Um, they got to be livid that this guy hasn't gotten punished yet. Well, I mean, and that that was the, the famous, and we would love to hear that tape, the, the make a ceremony tape where supposedly Stevie Mazzone says, we've got to plant the flag in Atlantic City. And he talks about all that. And, and the tape is running while that happens. You know, this this whole Persiano situation gives fodder to the wise guys now who are out there saying the feds abuse the system. The feds let a guy go do all kind of stuff because he's, because he's a rat, because he's cooperating. And, you know, there are guys who take that argument to the extreme now and say, you know, they're damaging the good guys. Who are the good guys in all of this? There probably aren't any good guys. Yeah. But what's happened with Persiano and the fact that he hasn't had his day in court and justice has not yet been served reinforces that argument that the feds are no better than us in terms that they break the rules, they whatever do whatever the hell they want to do just to get a conviction. Now. Yeah. You know, that argument, it can get old really quickly. There's a lot of a lot of things on the other side of that argument that the guys making it don't want to mention or don't, we don't, you know, they don't mm-hmm. give it to, you know, I'm talking about guys who do podcasts now, Dave. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, and well, we'll say it's Joey Merlino yeah, who's, picking on, who's picking on cooperators team. left and right. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Why hasn't he talked about Anthony Persiano? He ought to be the poster child yeah. for what Joey likes to scream and holler about, about rats can do whatever they want. This guy, yeah. five years ago this week, pled guilty, was due to be sentenced, hasn't been sentenced. He really is a prime example of what Merlino has been talking about, 
here because we don't know what the hell he's been doing for the last five years. The government knows, I'm sure, but he certainly hasn't been sentenced and he's not sitting in jail that we know of. No, no. I, I think from everything I've seen, you know, he's made bail and he, and he is in a different part of the country and he's working as a construction estimator doing the same stuff he did when he's pulling off all these scams. That's what's so troubling about all this. And uh, five years is a long time to not get sentenced. You know, we've seen this in cases where they they wait till the uh, the cooperator's case has been resolved and then he gets sentenced. Well, the cases Persiano was involved in have all been resolved here in Philadelphia. Mm. You know, or that begs the question, is there something else? I don't think there is. And yeah. Persiano as a witness, I don't know how they could put him on the witness stand given no. all the baggage he would bring. Yeah. So let's give him his day in court. I mean, I yeah. think that's a legitimate argument. And yes. I, I don't Absolutely. want to line up behind these guys that are constantly whining about, oh, the Fed's this, oh, the Fed's that. You know, there's a they've, there's a certain irony in all of this that guys uh, complain and moan about the government doesn't play by the rules when these guys have spent their whole life not playing by the rules. You know, and it's it's it, it's more complicated and more complex than they want to make it out to be. It's yeah. not just uh, uh, the government's bad. There's a lot of issues into all of this, but. You're right. Persiano is a poster child for the point that a lot of guys have made. The government plays fast and loose, and they let a guy get away with whatever he wants to get away with. Yeah. And listen, uh, it's been told to me by defense attorneys who were on the case in 2018, 2019, um, the case over in New Jersey that got a lot of pleas. Joe right. Electric's video got convicted. Sal Piccolo pled guilty. They all pled guilty, got jail sentences, that kind of thing. These guys, you know, when you talk about this, Anthony Persiano, like, invaded the inner sanctum of the mob here in Philadelphia and caught conversations because we've only seen transcripts. We've never heard the tape. We may never hear the tape. Those conversations literally include a high ranking member of the Philadelphia mob introducing every single person who is at the table when this is taking place. Name, rank who guys are with this guy's with this guy, that guy, he's with that guy. You're going to be with this guy. And then Ed injury here. You talked about it already. Steven Mazzone afterward goes on to say, we got to get Atlantic city back. We can't let anybody and he threw in some expletives that I won't use here. Take our, take our shit. I, I will use one there. Right. You can't, we're not going to let them glom what we built kind of thing. I mean, that's how embarrassing Anthony Persiano's work was to the mob in Philadelphia. I mean, he, he violated Omerta right in their midst. Right as he was supposedly swearing an oath to Omerta. I mean, again, I come back to, he should have never been at that table. And you talk yeah. to some guys and they just kind of roll their eyes and shake their head. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But the fact is he was there. And I think that goes to kind of the bottom line in all of this, Dave. It's all about greed. He was supposedly a moneymaker. He had access to different scams that were going to make money. So, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, I mean, Ronnie Previty used to say that. He said, Ronnie, how did you go from staff to Natalia Merlino? He said, well, because I always brought them an envelope. I mean, that at the end of the day, this has helped bury these guys. Yeah. The greed and electronic surveillance. That's the end of the Philadelphia mob. Yeah. And and I think you, you cited Previty. I mean, he talked about this on the witness stand that yeah. – 
you know, these guys, as long as there were dollar signs in front of it, they forget all about what might or what could be. Yeah. And they think about 25K a month going in their pocket. Or they yeah. think about a big envelope at Christmas going in their pocket. There's even been some talk in past years that the Philly mob was taking money to be inducted into the Philadelphia mob as a member. 25,000 well, was thrown around, 35,000 was thrown around. I don't know if any of that's true, but it was out on the street. People were talking about it. Mob guys were talking about it to me out of New York. They're letting people buy their way in. Well, that wouldn't be the first time that happened. I think Albert Anastasia did it up in New York yes. way back in the 50s. I mean, it's, you know, it, again, greed is a big motivator in this particular uh, world. Mm. And guys that can provide money, guys that can offer money, can get over a lot of different humps that way. And, I, I, you know, Perciano is just out there doing whatever it is he's doing, and the feds are okay with it so far. There's been no effort, as I, best I can see, delay, 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 delay. Like I said, if, if the sentencing that's scheduled for August, it's the twelfth time now that he's had a sentencing date. Twelve times, yeah, and it's never happened. Well, I talked to two former made guys this week, uh, who were also cooperators, and I. After you told me about it, I played this scenario to him. How could this be put off for five years, 12 times? What could possibly be the explanation for this? And both of them quickly answered, he's got to be working another case. Or there's another case they're going to use him in. I don't think he's a good witness, but maybe he brings something to the table like the making ceremony tape or something else there. Both of them said there's no reason whatsoever that they could think of why five years would go by and 12 times the sentencing would get moved. I'd love to hear it. If there is one U S attorney's office, FBI in Philadelphia, please tell us what it is. I'd love to hear it. See, I, I like, I like that theory that he's working something else and, and it's in the feds best interest to keep him on the streets. That makes the most sense to me. Mm -hmm. I don't think if there was another case to be made in Philadelphia, I think it would have been made already. And I, and I think, he's a damaged witness in terms of putting him on the stand. Yeah. And listen, if there is another case and he is a witness in that case or provided more tape for them in another case like that, and that case gets indicted as a big Rico case and whatever, then that's a real answer to all the questions we've posed here today. Yeah. Hey fellas, Dave and George, that's why we haven't sentenced them. Yeah. Right. And that's in, in our face. And I'm totally willing to take that if, if you wish. Um, but the bottom line here is, Five years, it's not explained. Nobody knows what the hell's going on here. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the other thing is that the innocent victims, the people who were scammed by him, who lost 10000 12000 who had a house that was damaged, never got repaired, they paid him money, then they had to pay somebody else. Those are the real victims in all of this, separate and apart from, from a couple of wise guys who were pissed off. But mm -hmm. those are the real victims in, in Perciano. And yeah. he's never been held accountable. I got to tell you, George, my sources tell me that uh, Persiano probably taught him a little bit of a lesson here that this business that we're talking about, the restoration business, the repair business, is a very lucrative field. Involves insurance companies, estimators, assessors, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that ground from putting a roof on to rebuilding a house, that's fertile ground right there for those guys because it's big money and they can make big money. And I've actually heard that some of them are actually in that business, that they'll tell you they're doing it legitimately. And I'm not saying they're not, but maybe he opened a window for them or he shined a light on an area they weren't really interested in or had made any inroads in. And maybe now they are. Well, that was certainly part of the first plus, uh, first yep. plus operation up here. 
separate and apart from Texas. And, you know, we were always curious about why Persiano and the guys around him weren't indicted in first plus. Could very well be he was, you know, providing behind the scenes information back then. But then he just continued <laughs> continued the, the the protocols that he established in terms of the, the world of, of uh, uh, restoration after first plus fell apart. He was mm-hmm. still doing that here with other companies. And it led to what we're talking about, the 2015 case and the taping and all of that. So it goes on and on and on. And I, I think your sources were, might be correct that he's out there on a street somewhere in middle America doing the same thing again and working with the feds. We'll see. Yeah. And I, I do find that a little hard to believe because his picture's all over the place. I mean, if you Google Anthony Persiano, his picture pops up left and right, you know? So, uh Usually when your picture's out there, you're not being used by the FBI to do any kind of undercover operation or as a mob guy or any other guy. But then again, if he's somewhere very far away from here, maybe they don't look on the Internet to see who the hell he is. Yeah, or he's using a different name from where he is. So, you know, it's conceivable. Who knows? I mean, this is one of the great – I don't remember. I can't recall a case where somebody's gone five years without being sentenced. Mm. Five years. Yeah, usually you see it once, twice, three times. And usually because he's going to the person is going to appear again, possibly as a witness or may have gone to another jurisdiction to testify as a witness. Uh, Phil Leonetti, for example, he didn't just testify here in Philadelphia. In fact, he testified very little here in Philadelphia. He went to New York. Uh, he went to other jurisdictions right. around the country, things like that. When you're being used like that, Ron Previty testified in multiple locations, I believe, as well. That's explainable. But this we haven't heard about him in another courtroom. We haven't heard about another investigation that might involve him. We haven't heard anything and 12 separate times over five years. That's, yeah. you know, that's something to talk about, which is why we're talking about it. It's a little bit extreme. Yes, it is. Yeah. And the mob, the mob guys love this because they've been poking both you and me about what's going on with Persiano. How come nothing's happening to Persiano? Why isn't Persiano in jail? Etc. Well, fellas, you got your day. It's a legitimate question. It is. Absolutely. George, um, par funding. Uh, somebody said to me, Right before we came on here, don't take your eye off the ball there. Um, kind of tells me something else might be coming out of this, or they're hoping to get something else out of this. If I had a bet, and you know, again, it's just speculation. Hmm. If there's a mob connection, I think the connection is going to go back to New York rather than Philadelphia. So maybe we're going to see something in that regard. I, w- I would agree with you 1,000%, George. And I appreciate your time, 35 sure. minutes of your time today, George. You're a busy fellow. It's good to have you on the show again. And thanks for coming on. I, I love when you come on and we talk. All right. Take care. George, thank you very much. That's it for Philly Prime and Mob Talk. Sit down this week, folks. Hope you enjoyed the episode and tune in. If there are any updates on PAR funding or the Anthony Persiano situation, we will bring it to you and hopefully first. Thanks for listening.